Hello, hello, fight fans. Welcome to another installment of the Switching Stances podcast. Uh, my name is Koss. I am one half of your co-hosting duo. Uh, what's up, everyone? Raz here. Awesome. And uh, today we are going to do a quick recap of what the month of February looked like in the world of combat sports. Uh, take a quick look at Bellator, uh, UFC, as well as one events. Talk a little bit about the Jake Paul thing. And uh, I think we're ready just to hop right into it. Actually, wait, real quick, before we hop into it, uh, give a f- quick follow to the Switching Stances pod on Instagram if you would like to. Please go give us a follow. Uh, we're going to do fighter bios there. We're going to do fight picks for each fight card uh, we see on our story and just kind of spreading the word. So if you can, please give us a follow. <laughs> um but all right, let's just hop right into it. Roz, do you want to start with our first uh, portion here? Yeah, this is going to be uh, the farewell to the last emperor, Fedor. Um, as you know, he had his final fight against Ryan Bader. Um, he unfortunately lost round one via TKO. Kind of a quick one, but um, we've seen worst farewells given to uh, legends. Yeah, absolutely. Um I don't know. The fight started, and man, he looked slow. <laughs> he looked really slow, and I was worried. He did last about a minute, which okay, fair enough. You know that was good, but uh, uh, it was. Should he have been in there? Probably not. Um, but you know, it was nice of Bellator to you know, I guess make his final fight a title fight. Yeah, that was really nice that it was a title fight. They brought out all the legends from Dan Henderson to Chael Sonnen. Um, Don't know why Chael was there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was a really nice, really nice, well put together farewell by Bellator, something that I think uh, future legends and stuff uh, makes them feel better, at least of what could come for them. 100%. I think uh, from what I've heard, that was all Scott Coker. Scott Coker was the one that got the fighters together, wanted them in the cage. Uh, and that photo they took afterwards I thought was really, really nice uh, and something we don't see enough of in the sport, just honoring the the previous generations and fighters. So it was cool. And that's kind of, you know, the nail in the coffin of the Pride era with him and Shogun Hua uh, retiring as well. I just come into top of my mind, like, Overeem's doing, like, glory kickboxing. But other than that, I can't think of any other Pride you know, I guess Nate Diaz fought Pride in like 2006, but it's yeah, that's kind of the nail in the coffin for them. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention from that Bellator event, not a bad card, not a bad card. Uh, but uh, Johnny Eblen fought really well too. He was a co-main event, the middleweight world champion at Bellator. What did you think of his performance against uh, Tokov? It was a really fun fight. Uh, I think the whole card in general was really uh, it was a uh, put together pretty well i think they uh capsized as much as they could on it being like fedor's farewell so i feel like they definitely got a few more eyes than they normally would have and they definitely advertised you know their lightweight pre and stuff like that and really i think watching it it hyped me up as a as a viewer being like oh yeah no i should definitely tune in and watch uh, this 100%. Hundred percent. I think I thought Johnny performed really well. Uh, loved seeing kind of the mat returns and suplexes he did around the fifth round. I thought that was really cool to see. Um, I did see, you know, Bellator broke not for viewership because it was on CBS. They broke nine hundred twenty-eight thousand 
uh, live viewers, uh, which is pretty good, pretty good, uh, especially considering, you know, that's up there with kind of what WWE pulls in each week. So happy for Bellator. Good to see that that was on CBS. Um, hopefully we get to see more Bellator cards on CBS going into the future. Um, I'll tell you something that didn't have as many views. Uh, <laughs> the UFC fight night. Uh, Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak did not have that many views. No, that was uh, that was a unfortunately a fight night card. Uh, kind of felt apex ish. But what I did really like was the road to UFC South Korea and the prelims. That was almost banger after banger. More finishes than decisions. Really all-around awesome performances from uh, all those finalists. Oh, yeah, 100%. Crazy, like, uh, we in the the West didn't know about this whole road to the UFC, South Korea, Asian tournament, but it was a really cool tournament they did. I thought that was really great. Um, It seemed like every guy was out there to take the other guy's head off to get a contract. Uh, Rinya Nakamura impressed me. Uh, And then the fucking... uh, the Punjabi boy, Anshul Jubli. Jubli, the first Indian-born man in the UFC. Um, against the guy, <laughs> uh, Saragi, I think his name was. He made the bit with his tongue. <laughs> that was that was hilarious. Um, no, I thought that I thought the prelims were the best part. All the Asian guys uh, fighting for the UFC contracts. Also, shout out to Adam Fugit out of uh, Art of War, Eugene, uh, beating uh, Kinoshita, the the little the Japanese McGregor as they were calling him before the fights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was great. And then kind of going towards the top here. What would you make of the Derek Lewis performance? I know you're, you're a little, you are critical of Derek. Derek Lewis put on a, another Derek Lewis performance. <laughs> Unfortunately, he uh, another round one sub. It like looked like he didn't want to be there. It looked like he was scared going into it. The man is battling more with it mentally than physically. I feel like uh, yeah, Spivak looked like he was hungrier uh, and just all around. He submitted Lewis, and I don't know. I feel like. Lewis is still, you know, respect to Lewis, the knockout king. The he gave us some of the best fights. I will always watch a Lewis fight, but yeah, he needs to show us that side of him. I don't think he needs. He's ranked around eleventh right yep. now, I believe. Yep. I don't think he needs to fight anyone lower than that. I don't think mm-hmm. that's where he's at. But he definitely needs to put on some sort of. Uh, I don't know, something more competitive around that level. Yeah, um, you're right. Derek is ranked 11th. If we're talking about next fights, um, also, I'll cut Derek a little bit of slack. He fought some great guys and also, you know, the Houston curse. He can't fight in Texas. He can't fight in Houston. I don't think the right call was to put him in the apex either with a a wrestler, a, a judoka even like uh sergey derek i think if you want derek to strive and succeed you need him in an arena not in texas uh against a guy that'll stand there and bang with him and i think like if we're looking down the line uh number 12 is chris Dawkins. 
Chris Dawkins boxer. I think that'd be a decent fight. Um, or number 15, uh, Blagoy, uh, even of the Bulgarian grandpa. Um, I think, I think those two fights make sense for Derek. But other than that, like you said, no one 10 or higher. If you were like, like Morsin Taibura, no. Rosa Strike, no. Volkov, no. It's just, yeah, you go up the line. I wouldn't do that. Is Derek done? No, but he's, he's not at the middle and he's definitely not at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, I will always watch, like I said, I'll always watch him fight. It will, he's in a really tough pickle because he just, I mean, I said this last time, he can't lose like how he just lost and that happened. But, you know, we're got, he's, he's always going to be, uh, up there when you talk about knockout artists, he's always going to be there. So I'm not, you know, he, just needs to show us uh, what he's capable of. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and then in terms of Sergey, shout out to all the Moldovians. Um, <laughs> Sergey is an interesting one. Uh, Tom Aspinall is coming back later this year. That could be a fight you could make. Tom six, Sergey seven. Uh, Alexander Volkov is eight. Sergey at seven is another fight you can make. Sergey is an interesting guy. Uh, definitely one of the few heavyweights that can put another heavyweight on the mat i will say that you don't see a lot of guys like him at the heavyweight division uh but he keeps it entertaining i will say the mat returns the tosses he he keeps it fun uh he doesn't just you know crotch sniff like other wrestlers uh he definitely is there to throw him toss him trip him do the stuff and then just ground and pound so for that i, I do actually enjoy watching sergey spivak fight yeah, no, he was definitely very entertaining. I think after this fight, a lot more eyes will be on him because of it. He uh, definitely is someone to look out for. Uh, definitely a dark horse in the heavyweight, someone that could sneak up in that top five. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, do you want to lead us into our UFC 284 recap? Yeah, so far, that was the event everyone's talking about, still kind of talking about. Um, it started off in a lightweight, light heavyweight uh, bout between Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Minifield. Uh, ended in a draw. Um, I don't know where... It's kind of interesting, a three-round draw. Um, uh, I, I don't... It's interesting because thinking back on it i'm like who do you give it to maybe i would maybe lean towards alonzo just because jimmy looked like he could have he was about to fall any second <laughs> um but a draw puts both of those fighters in a tough pickle i don't know where either of them go especially alonzo since he was unranked i think hoping to get into crack into that uh, tough light heavyweight ranking spots yeah that was that was a weird fight Jimmy's stand-up is so bad. <laughs> Jimmy's stand-up so bad. The way he walks even, dude. The guy like locks his knees as he walks. Completely flat-footed. Feet spread out. I don't know how he trains with fucking Robert Whitaker, and that's what his fucking stand-up looks like. It was... Like, he's got power. I will say that. He does have power in his hands, but man, he doesn't know how to use it. <laughs> uh, it was gross at times to watch. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as a, in terms of like what they do next, I don't know rematch. I don't know if I want to watch a rematch of that. Um, Jimmy's only twenty six. If he could just figure out that stand up a little better, figure out his footwork a little bit better, 
he could be decent, but yeah, I don't know. That was that was a weird fight to start the the pay per view. That was weird, but then following up, uh, we got what we wanted—a fun heavyweight fight between Justin Taha, Taha and uh, Tafa. My Tafa. bad. And Parker Porter, the man who's backed by John Jones. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tafa put it away in uh, one one minute six seconds. Um, didn't he? he uh, that was fun. That was what I was expecting. That's a, as as much as you can expect you know they were gas they were throwing those sluggers that nice little uppercut follow through mm-hmm. and uh put away parker real nice yeah i mean i just went out there did what he had to uh i know i was hearing uh the whole Tafas come from a fight family i think he's got one he's got two brothers one younger one older his younger brother's also in the ufc but they have their gym out there in uh, new zealand uh, so it was good that, you know, in Perth, he was able to perform, do what he had to, get the knockout. Um, I think Tafa, just like a Taito Ivasa, like a Mark Hunt, you know, these big Samoans that are just there to throw uppercuts, throw overhands, and walk away knockouts. So I think Justin Tafa, if you put him on a card, it'll be entertainment uh, either way. But is he a top echelon guy? No, I think we've already seen what the top echelon of that can be in Tai Tuivasa. Um, but is he an entertaining fighter? Absolutely. Yeah, it will be fun to see what he has going next. Uh, fun fact, John Jones tweeted, Let's go, Parker Porter, pulling for you, big dog. But unfortunately, Parker was unable to see the tweet because he deleted it after the knockout. <laughs> John's just trying to make his uh his his uh fight record stronger. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh all right. Uh the comment no, the sorry, the third fight of the pay-per-view. Uh we had welterweight bout between Jack Della Madalena. Uh Perth boy actually from Perth, uh fighting Randy Brown, rude boy. Uh I thought this was gonna be more competitive than it was. This was a one-sided uh, fight. Um, Jack put it away. Fourth straight first-round stoppage. Uh, he's the second biggest man in Australia. You know what I mean? Oh, no, he's not. My bad, my bad. Robert Whitaker is my bad. <laughs> he's the up-and-coming. Uh, definitely uh, walking around. He's He's got that... Uh, He's got that champion stride with him, you know, when he when he speaks, when he's talking, he's very confident in what he's able to do. He's just kind of in that upward trajectory and welterweight. Um, well, so he's uh, he's ready to make it spicy in that in that uh, whole division. Hundred um, percent. Jack Jack, he's able to put for a welterweight. He's able to put a lot of power in that right hand. The way he t- turns his hips, um, very impressive with his power. Uh, he, after the fight on the, that Tuesday, he got ranked 14th. So he is finally, he is ranked, uh, within the top 15. What does the next fight look for Jack look like? Um, for kind of looking at the rankings here, Michael Chiesa's getting... 13, Neil Magny's 12, Jorge Masvidal's 11. They're asking him, oh, that would be interesting. They're asking him uh, about Vincente Luque even. They said, hey, would you go up against Vincente? Or uh, there was another 
um, I'm, I'm blanking, but Vincente was in there and he basically said, yeah, whoever he said, uh, basically who they're going to offer to me, he's just going to take it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Very, uh, um, ooh, I like that Vicente Luque fight. Vicente hasn't had a fight in a minute. Uh, Vicente is always, always an exciting fight. I think Jack is an exciting fighter as well. That could, that could headline like a, a fight night. Mm-hmm. For sure. As I say, 14 versus 9 is headlining a fight night. No, that's a little sad to think about it. But, uh, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> now we got the uh, Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. That was, a, that, was a, that was a fun back and forth. Both fighters in trouble during times, but Yair ultimately able to get the, uh, the submission on Josh winning the interim belt. Uh, so now he's going to be waiting on Volk, but that's a interesting story in of itself. What's what's next? Um, what are your thoughts? What do you think's next? Yeah, it was interesting. I'll say this. That was very bad by Josh Emmett to get stuck in a triangle like that. I thought that was... Not nothing. Not taking anything away from Yair, but I thought that triangle was fairly weak and like extremely telegraphed. You could tell from the moment Josh had for uh was in full mount that Yair was looking for the triangle, and Josh just like, completely ignored it until he tapped out. Um, so I was a little disappointed by that, especially since Josh does have a wrestling background. You you have to be aware of the triangle. Either way, good for Yair. Great finish. He was kind of beating up Josh on the feet as well. Um, but what is next for you? Um, I think we can get into this a little later, but I think Yair will just fight Volk next. Uh, probably late summer-ish, maybe mid-summer. Um, and we'll see who the champ is. It will be Volk, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Yair's uh he's I'm I'm he's a good guy to have the interim. I think it'll be definitely interesting. Uh he's got a lot to work on uh going up against Volk, but yeah, but now let's move to the main event. The fight talked around everywhere. Volk versus Islam. I think you and I were both uh pretty surprised watching that fight we were drinking that kool-aid during or maybe it was that maui pog um we definitely weren't uh we weren't in agreement with the judges at first has your opinion changed Mm. yes and no in a way like i see why they may have given um the second round to Islam but I still I still say it's 3-2 Volk I still believe Volk should have won that fight yeah I uh, definitely the round that's really tripping me up is round four because it's like the control time versus the actual control I uh, feel like when you have that's the round where I think, yeah, he got in the dominant position. He kept him in that position. Volk could not escape that position. The round ended. Mm-hmm. Um, Volk was round- landing those punches. Um, 
that's always up for debate about how much those can count versus uh, just him throwing. I mean, they can't count for nothing, but I understand that it's kind of like maybe you're in mount and the guy's just keeping you in mount and you're just swing up. How much is that actually doing something if you're not escaping? Uh, but ultimately, I think I understand Islam won the the round by round aspect. I think Volk won the fight. I think that fourth round hold by Islam was just because of how gassed he was. I mean, we saw in round five how how much he got in trouble. Um, and I feel like maybe that would have been what happened in round four. Would he have survived that? Maybe, maybe. I'm not sure, but then round five would have been even worse. I don't think we ever seen Islam that gassed or that in trouble. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. like have this uh, comparison of the Yan fight versus O'Malley because I feel like it's almost the opposite effect where I, uh, Jan had the takedown in the control time on the ground, but then Sean landed more significant strikes. But here in the Volk fight, you have him landing a considerable amount more significant strikes. And then that control time that Islam had in that triangle also is like, like I stated previously, not not really doing much. I think Volk was always somewhat safe. I think he was too low on that body triangle for Islam to ever actually go for a, a choke when someone's next that low. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah. No, it was really interesting, uh, especially in that fourth round. It was awesome to see Volk give a little, yeah, and he's, and he's like, punch it. Come on, choke me. Um, I thought like that that won me over with Volk. How just he just didn't care. He just didn't care that Vol that Islam was on his back. He was being the aggressor. I I don't know. It's 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 a tough card. To, it's a tough fight to call. But I mean, you just have to look. I think majority of individuals specifically fighters in the ufc believe volk won that you can see like if you watch uh israel Asanya's last youtube video of course it's his guy but you can see the shock in his face and dan hooker's face and all the guys uh from ckb that volk didn't win um ah i don't know speaking of the ckb guys what do you make of this whole uh iv gate thing uh, well, so far, nothing's materialized. I don't know how much is going to materialize without, like, proper evidence, mm -hmm. you know, if it's truly just like, an, I mean, I don't think people would just say that without them knowing stuff, but it's also, like, don't just throw accusations like that and try to like let the guy I, I don't know if you have the evidence and the strong evidence that you can like go forth and say uh look look look, look what's happening uh mm -hmm. sure come out with it but then it's like just like any other ufc fighter calling out another fighter for let's say steroids or something it's like yeah okay but show us the evidence yada yada yeah you know? No, I agree. Uh, I, I I wish they would. I wish CKB would come out with that evidence that they're so set on and whatever they're saying. That like, I think they're worried of legal impl implications of it, whether it's worth it or not at this point. Um, it did seem like Ali Abdelaziz did throw Islam and his other fighters on the bus by tweeting out something like, "Oh, fighters are allowed three liters of IV," and then that was like proven <laughs> not the case. So then he deleted the tweet, and it's like, "Whoa!" So. Are we just running under the impression that your fighters 
all are taking three liters of IV after a weight cut. <laughs> like, yeah, that fuck? was... Because now it's like, now you have to look at all the Ali fighters, and there's a lot of Ali Abdelaziz fighters. Kamaru Usman, Khabib, uh, all these guys, like, that, you know, are kind of known as weight bullies, too. Um, to then them be, like, cheating? I don't know. It's it, We can get into the weeds of that for a while, unfortunately. Um, what would you rate UFC 284 on a scale of 1 to 10? The whole card, I was pretty pumped about. Um, I would give it a solid 8. It's fair. I'll give it like a 7.7. 7.7 in my book. The only reason I rate it a little lower than you is um, what this card could have been. We could have had a Kaikara France fight in there. We could have had a Robert Whitaker fight in there. And I think it would have made it like a 9. I think it would have been an absolute banger in Perth. Perth was awesome. All the undisputed is that were coming out on YouTube of them hanging out in Perth was really sick. Uh, them try- The Australians trying to arrest Islam for feeding that fucking wild thing. Islam's coach playing with stingrays not knowing that like stingrays can kill you um josh emmett looking like a ghost out on the beaches in the indian ocean um i thought i thought all the hype around it was great i thought the ufc did a great job with the the week of the fight they did a good job with the promotion for ufc 284 everyone's talking about how bad the promotion was obviously the week of the fight the promotion was better um no idea on pay-per-view sales let me see if i can find no there's no there's no significant numbers um but anyways yeah it was a it was a fun fight and uh good for the ufc good way to start the year normally february pay-per-views aren't fantastic so that was a great one i agree what do you uh how do you think islam would do against uh Oliveira or darush <sighs> man I think Dariush was, is going to fare better, and I, that's why I also think Dariush is going to beat Oliveira. I think Dariush is going to beat Oliveira, finally get the title fight that he deserves. He does deserve that title fight. And then I think he does better than Charles, not as good as Volk. I think Volk made the whole 155 category look pretty bad with how well he did. Um if I'm looking down the line, I don't know who beats Islam. Maybe Rafael Faziv if he has good enough like defensive wrestling because he's extremely powerful. And Volk caught Islam. Volk, the smaller guy, did catch Islam. I think Islam is a bit chinny, especially compared to Khabib, who had like a granite chin. I think it's going to take a guy that, one, it has really powerful hands, and two, has unbelievable defensive wrestling. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm with you there. I think Darush is uh, he's one of those fighters that breaks breaks down their opponent and kind of fixes on what they need to improve on. I think he'll see the success Volk had in defending Islam and kind of want to follow that um, because that seems to be like if you can negate that, Islam's got hands. He can definitely rock you. We saw mm-hmm. that he definitely wasn't bad standing up against Volk, who Volk, you know, put on clinics against Korean Zombie, even Max Holloway. You know, he 
is known to be a very good technical striker and Islam got his hits and he got his elbow in, he got his knees in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be a, an interesting fight. Islam. I, I have Islam taking it. I really, I think Volk is like an anomaly when it comes to that performance, whether someone can follow up that we'll see. Um, yeah what are your thoughts on like volk he kind of has this chip on his shoulder it sounds like you know with interviews and stuff he really really wants that lightweight build it's like his it's what he has dead set on yeah you think you think uh volk and lightweight's more interesting you think he should stay in featherweight and defend do you think he should abolish the title these are all things people are kind of yeah floating in the air i think if volk would have gone out there and gotten starched it would you know, he would never go back to 155, kind of like what we saw with Max and kind of what we saw with Adesanya. Um, I think what's going to happen is he's going to go back defend his 145 belt against Yair later this year. And then maybe at the end of the year, we see a rematch of Islam and Volk. Because I think Islam's still going to beat Dariush and retain the belt and maybe like a December, like pre-Christmas, maybe post-Christmas, New Year's card, we'll get islam versus volk to rematch the two and i think that sell pretty well because people were you know i think it was 50 at least 50 percent of people had it volk win um and the whole iv thing is now creating like you know rumblings and volk said himself he's like yeah I'll do a rematch we could do it in saudi arabia too while we're at it which apparently is like russia 2.0 all the russians love fighting in saudi arabia for some reason islam's really trying to cement that he did you know he dominated yada yada he got the he got the unanimous decision even with the 49 46 card being one of the judges do you think volk's going to have to prove himself do you think a title defense in featherweight's kind of him prove like what do you or do you think he's going to have to fight like a let's say like a rafael or a justin gaethje depending on who wins that fight or i think he's going to defend his belt at 145 i think that's something he wants to do um, but I don't think he has to fight another lightweight other than just fight Islam. Like, I don't think they're going to make him earn another title shot with how close that one was. And especially if he, you know, retains his belt at 145. Um, yeah, I don't think he needs like a, a title contender fight against like Raphael or I don't know, uh, Dustin Poirier. This does put Dustin Poirier on the shelf for a while though. People are like after Dayu, Oliveira, maybe Dustin Poirier fight. I don't know. Dustin doesn't have a fight lined up. He's not like calling anyone out. He's not being like, oh, give me the fight. Nothing like that. Like Dustin's been kind of quiet. Um, ah, does Dustin beat Islam? I don't think so. <laughs> if I'm being honest. No, not if he couldn't do it against Charles. That was Dustin's big shot at a uh, the the belt and. He didn't do it, so now he's kind of, like you said, he's in this really tough pickle. There's fights out there for him, but I don't think he's interested in doing just a a fight. You know, he's proven himself again, defeating Chandler and all those guys, and he knows that he's very well cemented as one of the tops in the lightweight category. I hope he doesn't turn into a Colby Covington type guy in the lightweight where he's just kind of one fight a year and it's these fights are not very meaningful i agree i agree um 
but time will tell. We'll see. Um, but good event for by the UFC. Good for them. All right. Let's hop into uh, the most previous event, which happened last night in uh, the world-famous boxing arena. The world's most famous arena in the world ever in the world's most famous. Lumpini. <laughs> Lumpini. I think I'm saying Lumpini. Boxing Arena in Bangkok, a staggering 5,000-person capacity, most legendary boxing arena, uh, where we had John Lineker versus Fabrizio on Dash 2 on the one fight night on Prime last night. Did you see it? What were your thoughts? Yeah, it was uh, an overall fun card. It started off with uh, Francesco beating Andres, Mr. K.O. Stoika with a split decision. Uh, very interesting split decision. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess the first uh, judge gave one and two to Stoika. Uh, I, I thought Stoika maybe did get the second round, but I thought one and three were pretty clearly over to uh, Francesco. Uh, Francesco just had the reach, had the jab, had the speed advantage. Yeah, that was uh, that was a fun light or yeah light heavyweight kickboxing bout. Um, I always like the kickboxing bouts; they're usually pretty entertaining especially the bigger guys when you see that kind they're they're like a special kind of athleticism when you get like a good uh heavy guy that can bounce around throw those kicks uh moving on though we have danielle kelly defeating zombie mura via unanimous decision mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that yeah so um when we recorded early this month, I ha I actually my pick was for Mira, uh, her being you know third degree black belt in judo, normally fighting at a bigger category as well. I thought she would um, weight bully in a way a little more, uh, but then leading up to the fight, I kept seeing all these articles about Daniel Kelly about how like she's special and all this stuff, and I was like, uh, interesting. Uh, I thought Mira did really great. I. I know they they judged it based off who had more submission attempts, and Daniel had two, Mira had one, I guess, something like that. But in my opinion, Mira had more control for the like the ten minutes they grappled. Um, she had that uh, head and arm hold and that judo side control for a minute, for several minutes, really. But um, all around, I thought it was really really fun uh, grappling event. It was really fun to watch to see someone like Mira who had has her like signature like you said arm and head uh, top mount strangle uh, choke uh, and um, I it's definitely a little controversial a lot of people are saying Mira because like for the first six min seven minutes it was kind of like Mira being able to turn everything back onto that position whether she was in like turtle mount or on her back she always was able to flip back into that top position and she almost got kelly with that uh that was dangerous where she she would catch her arm and with her legs and kind of nope. that looked really uncomfortable and i think kelly was in a lot more trouble than she would have liked and cared to admit Ultimately, though, Daniel Kelly was able to escape those, get those two submission attempts really close with the rear naked choke. Um, a little, little 
you know, a little bit of that of mouth covering, a little bit of that. A little fish mate, hook. A little fish hook. Little fish hook, eyes, nose. Uh, you know, can't, I didn't. Well, I hope her nails were clipped, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. She so, was scraping her gums and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, but all around. I mean, just another example, like these one submission grappling events are fantastic. It's 10 minutes, one round, and they are fucking going out out there, ripping each other apart. It is you, the stuff you don't really even see at, you know, some of these jujitsu specific flow events. I'm calling flow out specifically. Um, I don't know. Something about it. Just they just go. Also, weird to see jujitsu in a ring. Yeah, that was. Uh... It did not. It, it was weird. Herb, Herb didn't know what was going. Was Herb the ref for that one? I can't. He pulled. I think he was because he like pulled them right to like this. He like grabbed them and then like dragged them on the ground to the middle of the ring. Was it Herb dragging them? My... or was it the other ref? The like I think, bald it, was one? An... I think it was another ref that did I'm, that. Might have been another one. Um, but yeah, just jujitsu in the ring. It's just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You definitely see the limitations and like the little things you're able to do. Like, uh, like if we saw Mira, like she, uh, uh, and them definitely like still trying to manipulate it in a way. But then also, when you get to the edge, having to be like like dragged, like we just previously stated, it's kind of takes you out of it for the moment. But I don't think that was in the way of those two competitors too much. It was still very much, they, they would jump right back into it in the same position, but those little stalemates and those, it, it needs to be adjusted, tweaked a little. Yeah. Um, after that, we got to see Danny King dad, uh, actually go out and defeat, uh, Iko Rani Saputra via unanimous decision. Um, I thought that was a great fight. Uh, Danny, known for his stand-up, kept they kept mentioning how he was working with some secret Iranian wrestlers that they brought out to the the, the camps where they do their camps up in the, the mountains of Thailand. Uh, and Danny went out there and out-wrestled uh, Saputra, who is uh, known for his wrestling, actually. Uh, I thought that was a really great performance by Danny and a really great fight. No, I really enjoyed watching. Is this the fight where his uh, mouth guard fell out? And uh, I think so. Herb just kind of stared at it for a second. What do you want me to do? This, and then he looked back up at the fighters. They're just bashing each other. He casually walks over, picks it up, lets them throw a couple more punches to the head, and then he goes, hey, hey guys, put this in real quick. <laughs> Uh, no, it was a great fight. Uh, good for Danny to get that win. Danny ranked number two flyweight at um, at one. He did lose to Demetrius back in 2019. Um, working his way back up, a possible rematch for Demetrius. Possibly. We will see. We will see. That would be really exciting and mm -hmm. something to look out for. Moving on, we had a very fun uh, Fairtex. Some, oh, I'm not going to say this correctly. Some uh, pitch Fairtex uh, defeating Muay Thai boy uh, Zhang Chenglong via another unanimous decision. What are your thoughts? Um, I think, real quick, I think this was 
uh, one of the matches that kind of took me out of it for a second. Fairtex is very much in control and stuff, but it was definitely not one of the more exciting fights on the card. A hundred percent agree. Was was gonna mention that even that like this maybe was the one like kind of boring uh, fight. Um, for as much as you know, I love kickboxing. When it's boring, it's really boring. Um, something about it. But uh, yeah, Fairtex deserved the win, but nothing crazy really happened. Just more technical than anything else. Yeah. Um, afterwards, we had Martin, the C2 Asian, his nickname, win uh, versus Leandro Casotti via another unanimous decision, the last mm-hmm. one um, of the card. What do, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I thought this was actually a much better fight. Uh, Martin, you know, being he's, uh, he's the former two-division champion at one, uh, trying to get his belts back, and he went out there and he outstruck the guy who has a much larger kickboxing, uh, Muay Thai record or, or you know history than him. He went out there. I thought he fought really, really great. Uh, landed some great strikes. Had uh, Kasodi, um, troubled at times, uh, but definitely, yeah, deserved the win without a doubt. Yeah, he put on a fun little performance. He landed those overhooks on the guy. He, those were fun. Um, three rounds, featherweight. Definitely, they had that fast action, and he put on those kicks. And yeah. overall, got the solid win. Definitely pumped me up for the following match against one of the Golden Boys. And we all saw why he's one of the Golden Boys of one. Taiwan Chai PK Sanchai defeating Sanchai. Jamal, <laughs> defeating Jamal Yusupov in just 49 seconds via leg kick to the thigh. Whoa, disgusting, dude! That was something else. Um, normally leg kicks, you know, to the thigh is an accumulation type of damage and can end because, you know, you've kicked someone in the leg so much they can't stand on it anymore. But for it to be like a, a one-time just bat, uh, and the guy couldn't put his foot down, Jesus. Jesus. That was, was insane. He was immediate, but we just saw, like, I don't think we saw very many fighters who had that aura behind them where the crowd was almost in sync with him, where every, every push kick he did, every little weave he did, the crowd, you just hear him pop. Ah, ah, every single movement, he, they like knew what was coming. They knew what was coming. Oh, and yeah. then in just 49 seconds, he landed that thigh kick. And he could, like he said, once he, put weight on it he i wonder if it was like nerve damage they were saying broken leg i that's pretty impressive if it's a broken leg bone but you gotta think he got that fifty thousand dollars that's like over a thousand dollars per second in the ring of just going in there not even breaking a sweat and getting the job done like you we see why he's up there with demetrius the fair texas just on the main uh when on the walkways when fighters enter the ring yeah he he proved that golden boy title i mean he's 23 years old he's 23 years old um 
that was impressive. That was extremely impressive. I tried this morning to look up uh, Jamal's leg anywhere on the internet. I couldn't find any pictures. I'm very curious what his leg looks like today. And what th- what did happen? Whether it was like, did his quad just snap? Did his did his leg, did his fibula break? Like what, what happened specifically to where like, he couldn't fight from one kick? Insane. Great stuff. Can't wait for Tawan uh, Chai to fight again. Yeah, I hope he remains very active. We go from the golden boy to the wonder boy, Fabricio Andrade, defeating Jones, Hannah Stone, Lineker after a four-round stoppage in the corner uh, on Lineker's behalf. He couldn't really see out of his right eye, I believe. He was bleeding heavily. Nasty cut. Um, very, very entertaining bouts and very fun way to end their uh, trilogy. Yeah. Uh, first one, a little more lopsided towards Andrade until those nut shots. This one, very entertaining. I did think not Andrade was winning the fight, you know, until it, w- until it was stopped. But Lineker, I think Lineker did get the second round. Uh, I thought Lineker showed heart, you know, who's throwing those, <laughs> those overhands like crazy. <laughs> Just look at him, dude. That guy's 5'3", uh, really undersized. But, you know, there's a reason to call him Hands of Stone. Uh, but, like, you texted me last night, Hands of Stone, Chin of Glass. Uh, <laughs> what a curse. <sighs> yeah, uh, Andrade picked – he almost, you know, had his had him on skates uh, in the first round. And I think he had him on skates uh, in the fourth round as well until it was, it was stopped. So it was – Great fight, really bad, you know, back and forth. But, you know, uh, Fabricio definitely deserved that one. Yeah, congrats to Fabricio. And can't wait to see how that maps up the bantamweight. Uh, if it's anything like what we just saw, Andrade is definitely a dangerous guy. And he's going to, he could have a pretty, he's a young guy. He can have a very long title because he showed great. Uh, you know, he's, when he got taken down, he could stand back up. His striking was elite. He used his range really well. Andrade was throwing those haymakers, but uh, Lineker was also throwing him back. So I don't know. That'll, that, that whole division, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I'm just looking at the rankings now with Fabricio being the champ. We're looking at some guys. Steven Loman out of the Philippines is ranked third. Uh, Bibiano Fernandez out of Can- uh, Brazil, Canada is fourth. And then Quan uh, Wan, the second, uh, out of South Korea is fifth. <sighs> It'll be interesting. Uh, but yeah, like you said, he's only 25. He's, uh, he's, you know, he's our age. He's 25. He's young. Uh, top, top guy, not just at one, but I think in the world in terms of, you know, bantamweight, I think... Uh, Oh yeah, he should be considered, you know, a top bantamweight in the world. Because John Lineker, John Lineker fought in the UFC, beat a lot of top ranked guys in the UFC too. Was a top five fighter in the UFC for bantamweight. Still good now. Was there was a reason he was the champ at one, uh, and Andrade really picked him apart two fights in a row now. Yeah, they pushed the pace. The stamina was there. Like you can't say, oh, they it was a cruising type fight. No, that was action, four rounds, stoppage because of the carnage absolutely great that was great good for one good for amazon prime now let's get into everyone's favorite segment 
around the cage. Hopefully someday we'll have sound effects when I say around the cage and <laughs> we'll do something like that. But first bit of news going kind of into the world of MMA news. Um, McGregor Chandler, not just confirmed, but I've started fil- filming. Oh, sorry. I read, misread that. It is confirmed their fight is going to be at 170 pounds. Maybe. Connor did joke about 185 as well. I don't know if that's true. It's supposed to be it's supposedly confirmed at 170, and they did start recording in Vegas. Um, looks like they're doing a mixture of new prospects versus people who had had one or two fights in the UFC. I know like Jason Knight is one of the guys fighting who was in the UFC. Uh Chris Moutinho apparently was supposed to be one of the fighters as well, but uh looks like Connor's boys got uh the got uh to fill in instead of Chris Moutinho, unfortunately. I would have loved to see that's a green-haired freak back on uh, <laughs> back on the UFC roster. Uh, are you excited? Are you excited for the new tough season? Oh yeah, I don't think uh, there's a single UFC fan, real fan, that's like, no, I don't care. Blah blah blah. No, this is this is going to be prime entertainment. It's going to be like Connor's last uh, masterpiece. On uh, that's going to be viewed by not just UFC fans, but th- this thing is going to be clipped. These are going to be shown throughout all social media. It's going to garner so much attention. Michael, like you said, the fact that they're even humoring 185, I'm like, how much weight does Connor have to cut? You know what I mean? How big is Connor? Uh, and see some pictures of him, and I, <laughs> I just don't believe what I'm seeing. Dude, his neck, his <laughs> neck is so thick. He's wearing these suits, and I'm like, dude, what, what size suit are you buying? I'm a 17 and a half, and that's pretty big. I know, like Michael, Ty- Mike Tyson was like a 22. Connor's gotta be somewhere around there. Yeah, no, those uh, that's gonna oof, poor Michael Chandler is all I'm gonna say if he dares to stand up against Connor. I can't imagine what one of his little cut the angle hooks tastes like now. I'm gonna slice through him. I'm too slicing <laughs> for Michael. Uh, Michael, however, has uh, Ryan Bader, the man who uh, is now, as we stated, the heavyweight champion, defe- uh, defeating Fedor in his corner, along with a couple of other guys. That's really fun. Um, still a lot of stuff hidden, just little sneak peeks of yeah. what we're able to see. I will say, yeah, one awesome to see Ryan Bader on there. I think that's great to see Ryan Bader coaching with Michael Chandler. I think it's going to give him more nor- nor- more notoriety. Uh, almost funny that the UFC let it happen since he is a Bellator guy, but really great to see that. And two, um, this is the most leakage I've seen. Maybe, you know, it's just the, the world we live in in terms of social media and stuff, but there are so many leaks about the season so far that I'm not used to. Uh, like, for example, there's a video of Michael Chandler doing an interview and every single fighter walked behind him during the interview and someone broke down who each fighter was and what their MMA record is and whatnot. So if you want, you could already see who, who all the fighters for the new season will be, be, you know, before it airs on May, which is normally like that's when you'd find out. Uh, so a lot of leaks, a lot of cameras, a lot of video going on. Uh, it's all at the UFC Apex too, so it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm just excited to see what suits Connor uh, ends up wearing throughout the season. I saw a nice little suit top jean combo. Um <laughs> And him uh, passing around. Uh, did you see that that one clip of uh, 
Connor's passing around proper 12 to all the fighters and he gets I didn't <laughs> sloppy drunk with all of them and he's walking oh, back to no. the car that's uh that's oh, all I might have seen the drunk video he he made <laughs> uh I just him like shadow boxing the wall too was <laughs> prime Connor <laughs> just shadow boxing the wall <laughs> breaking a sweat like heavy breathing too that was great Chandler is also doing being Michael Chandler. Like I saw some like tweets and stuff. There's this one hilarious one where he's like, I let you walk out of the ring first because uh, you think you're going to get out of this first and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's just like Michael Chandler playing mind games with himself. (laughs) (laughs) That's why like people weren't happy. Dude, Michael Chandler is unironically funny. And that's why, um, I think it's going to be a really funny season. I think there's going to be a lot of great one-liners. Yes. Uh, okay, next news. Uh, Francis Ngannou and Deontay Wilder are talking about an MMA boxing hybrid fight. Uh, Wilder stated that he doesn't care if MMA or boxing matches first. And Francis is interested. Deontay's interested. Interesting, interesting little fight. I think the only one that isn't interested would be someone like Chael Sonnen, who has criticized these type of, uh, you know, public fights. These little, these little rule mix matching. Um, what, what would you would you pay for this? Would you pay for this fight? Uh, at what price point is it? Like no, like uh, let's say it's uh between sixty and a hundred dollars. Man, that's hard. Uh, depending on the rest, I don't know. Is the rest of the card like similar celebrity esque combos, or uh, the answer is leaning towards no? Mm-hmm. I I love Francis Deontay's an entertaining fighter, but this is definitely something I I don't see going that many rounds. Like, and I don't think Francis is that level of a boxer to go up against Wilder, like good for him. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen though. Cause they both have those giant mitts. If uh, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I really am pumped about this fight. I'm happy about Francis shaking up the MMA world and kind of just doing stuff on his terms. I think that's awesome. I'm not leaning towards Chael where it's like, I don't think this is necessary or whatever. Um, I think if they make the money, they get whatever views as a fan. I'm not really interested about that stuff, and I don't think I should care about that stuff. But I think it's a really cool uh, put-together fight. I really like it. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I think this is what we're going to see from Francis for a year or two. Uh, boxing, MMA, combo, whatever with these famous guys essentially being free to make however much money he can on the pay-per-view market and then i think we'll see him return to like a an mma promotion whether that's one whether that's bellator whether that's ufc even i think that's what i think that's what we're gonna end up seeing and you know what good for him he deserves to make you know 10 mil a fight even though reports show he's he's looking to get 30 mil a fight i don't think that's realistic but 10 mil yeah why not Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, 
moving on in the jiu-jitsu world we have gordon ryan officially signed with the arch enemy of jiu-jitsu flow um kind of the monopoly of the jiu-jitsu streaming world if you're gonna watch anything jiu-jitsu other than one and like obviously the ibjjf um, even ADCC now is flow. So mm. Gordon Ryan signed. ADCC, though, I think recently signed with UFC Fight Pass, actually. Oh, well, there you go. Well, that's good news. So flow yeah. has Gordon, though, under ropes. I wish it was an organization like one they used to have Gordon signed under. But due to his frequent health or problems, he was unable to get a match. And that's what's turning out to happen um, for tomorrow's bout, he had a match against his longtime rival, Felipe Pena. He was supposed to have like the, the end-all match, and he just recently backed out. Nicky Rod, be, uh, an ADCC medalist, is stepping in, who defeated Pena, but via points, I believe, um, at ADCC. So this should be... a fun back and forth it's a 30 minute submission grappling match which if you're uh, someone who's not super familiar it's like three times the amount of a one one uh grappling bout and they can go in any direction from snoozer like complete 30 minute snoozer to straight action for a while like just back back and and forth. forth yep um I do find it interesting that he signed with Flow. I guess Flow has momentum with what they're doing. So long term, do I think Flow is going to be successful? I don't think so. I don't think just having jujitsu content is enough for whatever subscription service they are trying to push, especially now with the fact that they got outbid for ADCC. So ADCC 2024 will be on UFC Fight Pass. Um, and all other uh, ADCC trials, all this stuff, it's all going to be through Fight Pass. And I think that's the real cash cow uh, in the world of grappling. Personally, I think Gordon would have been better to retry the whole one thing. Um, It's a shame it didn't work out the first time. But in terms of pulling out of this fight, people are speculating that he got food poisoning from doing the Brandon Chubb food truck diaries. Uh, Which, if that is the case, that would be fucking hilarious but no it's probably his like the chronic pain stomach pains and issues he's been having from taking so many antibiotics for all the staff he's had and all that bullshit yeah it's just amazing uh jujitsu grapplers just so injury injury quote-unquote uh prone to uh his upcoming bouts versus mma fighters um it's disappointing because this is like a returning thing and i'm not putting anything above gordon's head he's accomplished already more than he needs to for a career um it's just it's a real bummer because i think this was getting like they were getting interviewed by flow kind of like how ufc does um they were going to each each of their homes. Gordon had this fun little uh, shtick that the community had about him having to suffer driving a brand new Corolla 
Um, he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to suffer. And my way of suffering is driving this piece of shit. And it's just like this brand new Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I want a Jeep. I just don't have room for that many cars at the blah, blah, blah. And I have a Viper and or, or the Vipers. I don't, it was just this whole little Gordon being Gordon. Um, but uh, I said he was giving away his Miata as part of like a giveaway for his book or whatever. Oh, his book. Shout out to Gordon. Young and successful, whatever. Yeah. Fuck that thing. (laughs) That that can't be a good read. But you know what? Maybe it is. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. It's not. It's not. (laughs) All right. And then to our last piece of news here Um, reports came out Jeff Nowinski, USADA, all that stuff have now changed some of the rules with how you know picograms show up on tests they're saying you know because tests have evolved so much they're picking up substances that they shouldn't be picking up interesting interesting uh you saw it being quoted john zone or actually do you know where this original quote is is it from usada um this was uh i think john jones re uh retweeted something mm-hmm. uh someone said so that that's kind of where this context from and that's kind of where the news started where he retweeted this person i don't know if he was a like a journalist or something mm-hmm. um but yeah him stating the quote being john jones should get reparations for his usada suspensions given the science change um and like you stated, now that tests under 100 picograms per milliliter are no longer considered positive for PEDs. Um, so that means none of John's uh, positive uh, tests that have tainted his record, tainted his uh, legacy, as he would put it, should be actually considered bad and that though he should be restored as wins instead of the no contests that are shown yeah uh and then johns went on to tweet out i feel officially cleared there would be no asterisks next to any of my performances it's good to rest uh uh, it's good the rest of the world can see what i've known this whole time my only advantage over my competition has been pure hard work um this is interesting this is interesting because the you know the fact that this this change came during a John Jones fight week, you know, where like he may test you know positive for a couple hundred picograms of something, <laughs> um, seems a bit like a, a USADA UFC John Jones three way handshake uh, to make everyone happy. Um, so I don't know how to feel about it. It's it's kind of weird. <laughs> It's definitely a big eye roll because um, I think John Jones, my personal opinion, is still John Jones. I don't think he's done this big 180 in his life. I think he's done like 45 degree turn, maybe, you know, that being him back in MMA, being serious, <laughs> being a competitor. But John Jones was great and amazing because he was John Jones, not that he was this, you know, he john jones came out saying that whole thing would daniel i would love if you came and commentated blah 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 kiss me daniel 
as if that's John Jones's call to make, you know, that's my whole person thoughts on that. Like that's not your call to make. Daniel mm-hmm. was a stand up awesome competitor. He has a job for the UFC. That is his call to make and his decision. It's not yeah. the fighters to say, Oh, come, you know, I give you permission. Yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It's no Daniel's it the professional. He's the one that has the job. You are the fighter. Um, so I, I don't buy into this whole, John Jones, nice thing. Um, the second, it, it's kind of like the Conor McGregor little turn where it's like we saw a nice Conor versus Poirier and then like, boom, right at the end of the fight, your wife's in me, d <laughs> You know, the whole, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything, explosion. I think that's the John Jones still residing inside, which from a fan perspective, that's cool because we're going to see the, the, the monster unleash in the cage when the fight starts. John Jones crawling out on all fours all that but no my 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 whole thoughts on that thing is like no the rules back then were no no you were not allowed 100 picograms that's how it's going to remain just like if we go back i i don't like to bring other sports into mma talk but let's say like they went back and they said oh what if technically for the nba we added an imaginary three-point line and we rescored and counted how many three-pointers jerry west and so and so or something like that or whatever it's just it's like those were the rules you had to abide by them everyone about quote unquote abided by them sorry john you can't go you can't go back and rechange reshape history unfortunately um now I'm curious if other fighters are going to take advantage of this. Maybe you know I know a lot of guys, 100% are already microdosing. I wonder if this is going to see more higher level microdosing. We might see some, some guys with like eight packs all of a sudden. Uh, some Sean Shirks again. Yeah, something interesting. Um, that is what we had for around the cage. Uh, our final piece to talk about is uh, the Paul Fury. Fight that is happening uh, tomorrow, which is going to be uh, the February 26th, I believe, sometime around 3 p.m., they said, 3 p.m. Eastern, so maybe 1 to noon uh, Western, because they're doing it in Saudi Arabia, so it's like midday, Sunday. Um, are you are you excited for this? Will you, will you tune in to watch? I have put enough uh, kind of like... I've I've looked I've like researched it enough times to where I am interested because I don't know with these Jake Paul fights it's kind of like is this the one he loses is this the one mm-hmm. like he's kind of garnered that uh, reputation Tommy Fury of course their whole thing is like he is a uh, real boxer and. Uh, and he has his dad behind him you know his dad taking his shirt off for promotion of course it's like but my takeaway from that is what a good dad you know he stood behind uh tyson and he will do the same for his other sons that's cool you know the, the but uh what will go down and how it will go down is really up in the air because tommy's whole thing is like people are never that impressed by his performances jake however has just been pretty impressive with everything he's winning um yeah i have the thing is is tommy is so much bigger than jake like i saw like a side by side tommy's 
we got that muscle and they've been stating they're going to come out for the knockout. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know if like, do you think Tommy with his father and that whole training camp have cracked it, have done enough to know what, how to beat Jake? I don't know. I want to, I I'd like to see Tommy win. I think, I think Tommy winning would do so much for him, but also for the world of boxing. I think it's what people want to see, but I don't know if I can, if I see Tommy winning, um, just watching his other fights, the guy has an insane reach. Have you looked at his arms? How fucking long his arms are? Yeah. He's a big guy. (laughs) The creepy long. And he like, doesn't throw a good jab. Like he doesn't, it doesn't throw a good straight jab or straight right or anything like like he has those long arms and punches like with uh with like a, a bend in his elbow which is just awful uh like he he punches with his elbows out uh, poor form poor form poor style especially with his like gifted physique for a bot like the perfect physique for a boxer a, a small torso long arms for love thick, island you literally are built to box like that like you can protect yourself and then you have an insane reach against anyone um so but but he's slow and i think jake is really fast uh especially for his weight they're fighting at like 184 i believe um something interesting that happened during the press conferences was the whole like jake being like hey you lose you don't get paid but if you win i'll double whatever you make and and tommy being kind of like uh but his dad agreeing to it and then him being like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. And then yesterday at the weigh-in, Jake Paul said Tommy didn't sign the contract for that bet. Oh, I did not know that. That's interesting. And there was kind of like a scuffle because of that because he's like, you didn't sign the contract, like on the mic. <laughs> he's like, you were too scared to sign the, the bet we made. They both have some hesitation in the fight. I think they're both putting down so much in this one interview I watched. Like the interviewer kind of like did a good job cornering both of them because they're like, they asked Tommy, like, hey, Tommy, do you admit if you lose to Jake, uh, you are not a real boxer? You cannot make it. You're, you know, you're not, you know, you don't deserve to be a good boxer to be the Fury name. And Tommy of event like he did he was like yeah no I agree with that but then he flipped it on Jake and he was like Jake you know if you lose to Tommy you know do you will you admit you have no business in the boxing world and Jake's first response was next question um mm. but then eventually the interviewer came back to it kind of got him again and Jake was like yeah yeah I know I agree to that so they both have that on the line. The money thing, I did not know. That's really interesting. Um, at the end of the day, I kind of agree. I kind of see why you don't sign that because it's it's just, it's like a fun deal for us fans. But in reality, it's like that's just not smart because you you know you do have a team to pay. You do have xyz like there's more to it than just the fighter getting paid and oh i'm gonna make double it's like no you have a whole team he's family you can't just be like well you can't turn around and be like well i signed this contract if if i don't win i have to pay you something you know like it's gonna probably be that amount that they originally could have gotten and now that's all gonna be straight out of pocket um probably for tommy which it's probably a good chunk it's, yeah. it's going to hurt. 
it's just like the risk isn't worth the reward at the end of the day because let's say I have no idea what he's getting paid, but let's say the, theoretically five million. I think that'd be a good amount. Let's say like mm-hmm. he gets five million for the fight again, to fight Jake. Ten million versus five million, yeah, that's that's a good chunk. But going from zero to five million, that's much more. That's a bigger like feeling than just yeah. going from five to ten uh, at the end of the day. So, yeah, I mean, whether you're confident or not, it's it's a bad bet to take, whether you, you think you're going to win or not. Um, so I don't fault him on that, and it, that's kind of the Fury thing too, where like it really seems like his brother and his dad are pushing like the Fury name, pushing him to be like more confident and aggressive and whatever versus like Tommy. I just don't think that's his personality. I think Tommy's a fairly soft-spoken guy that just wants to like live his life. Maybe be a boxer. I don't know if it's goal. And I mean, he boxed before this, so maybe he wants to be a professional boxer at the end of the day, but I think he's really just, he's not like the other Furies. He's not, you know, super aggro. Yeah. Do you think uh, would Mike Perry have garnered your interest more? Or is like now that it's all signed, set and done, or uh, set and done, you're uh, excited and you like this matchup now? Yeah. Originally, I was much more in favor of Mike Perry doing this fight. I thought Mike Perry was a tougher opponent. I thought Mike Perry would bring the fight more to Jake, and Mike Perry can sell a fight pretty well because he's a psycho. That being said, though, um, I don't know something about the whole. Fight Week promotion, the the press conferences they've done, the animosity they have for one another has sold me enough to be like, you know what? For now, I will I will gladly take uh, Jake and Tommy. Uh, maybe Mike in the future, possibly. Um, maybe. But for now, I will take Paul Fury. Uh, but Mike would have not, definitely wouldn't have been a bad replacement. That's the thing that I, I believe Chael Sonnen said it. He was like, everybody loves the boxing stories, not so like much more than the fights themselves. The fights can be awesome, but it's the boxing stories, the the legends. Oh, did this happen behind? What, those are what people really like to talk about. And they did a good job. This is like a rivalry built up for two years because of mm-hmm. Tommy backing out a few times due to health related and other things. Um, after this though, Jake plans, he is signed to the PFL, um, and he brought up Nate Diaz being next, someone uh, we're very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, he's interested in that one boxing, one MMA match. How do you think he would fare in each of those? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, he was talking to Ariel this week, said most likely the boxing match would be later this year, MMA next year um in the boxing fight against nate i think he wins i think uh one nate is a good boxer for an mma fighter i think uh i think jake would be a tough one for nate in the mma world i think nate takes him to the deep rounds i think he gasses him out similar to what he did with to connor and then he takes his back and chokes him um yeah Jake said that like the jujitsu is coming along pretty well because he's back on wrestling and it really for him right now is just focusing on kicks too. I and then immediately when he said, that, I'm like, man, imagine just like Jake getting kicked and like fucking uh, PK'd it. Oh my gosh! Oh, uh, like just one fucking nice tight kick to the thigh. 
I had this fun little thought of uh, the two polarizing figures in each sport coming together, Gordon Ryan and Jake Paul. Uh, nothing, no talks or anything, but I think that would be like a fun little dynamic of them too. Uh, Jake Paul, like you said, doing little BJJ, he was like, oh, it's coming pretty naturally to me, which that's good. But there's just so many things when it comes to incorporating it into MMA. But I like that we're starting to see the tilt of boxers and stuff like Deontay and um, Jake humoring the MMA scope. I think that's yeah. really going to help MMA. And it's like, I, I, I don't want to say MMA needs it, but it's like, it just is not a good look seeing all these MMA fighters and stuff go to boxing, you know, and, and there's no other way around. Like it would be great. The only thing I can think of, and it's not even boxing, is the Rod Tank Demetrius Johnson uh, hybrid fight they did, where it was like one round Muay Thai, one round MMA. And you saw, but that was like round by round they changed. And <laughs> that kind of makes me think now what if Wilder and Francis did something like that? Um, That'd be cool. But, um, but in that match, you saw how dominant Rod Tang was in the first round, like Demetrius constantly on his back foot pedaling around the cage and then right as the mma round started you had demetrius going towards rod tang he's on his back foot now he's not as aggressive and then rod tang losing but that's that you know it's just be interesting to see you know that happening uh with jake paul and nate diaz i don't i think it's almost like guaranteed not guaranteed but it's just we saw connor losing to mayweather but mayweather of course is the cream of the crop but it's just like when you go to the other person's domain it's like it's it's just like almost a guaranteed that person's gonna win is what we've we're seeing so far yeah and it makes sense um something i was thinking about <clears throat> that i find so interesting is when you think about dana white and how when this whole Jake Paul, Logan Paul thing was coming around, he called it so stupid, waste of time, waste of money, all this stuff. But now you're seeing the traction this is gaining, the traction that this is going, uh, how much hype Jake is making for these fights uh, with the PFL thing as well. And you think where Dana and the UFC's energy went towards like power slap. And it's like, man, that's that was a big miss. That was a big miss in the business world. Um, it's a couple of these big misses that start catching up. They have the the money and stuff to be able to take a miss like that, but the stain will always remain. Like you remember when the UFC did a power slap league, blah blah blah, and now they kind of have to just go with the punches because they started it. They're not going to like pull back right away, but they have the potential to do like these hybrid fights to bring in a boxer or so and to just like grow just as a whole not just as like you know at the end of this ultimate fighting championship mma i know it's mma but they can you know do other stuff if uh they are gonna fall behind if they don't adapt we see that in every yeah ev everything who do you think would sell more pay-per-views Jake versus Nate in a PFL boxing match or Jake versus KSI in like a boxing match? Man, this is such an interesting question because it's like I 
KSI has like a popularity over in Europe. I don't think we really understand. Yeah. On the internet that we don't really understand here. Um, I mean, he's into us. It's like, you know, if you look into him and just kind of, he kind of is just this Jake Paul character, but then look at how big Jake Paul is, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's him over in Europe. Numbers wise. I have a a KSI story. Can I, can I say it? Can I share it? So I'm I'm a lifelong KSI guy. Uh, I subscribed to KSI when he had twenty thousand subscribers on YouTube. Oh wow! Because he made hilarious like FIFA twelve videos. Yeah, big time FIFA guy made FIFA, and then when he did this whole transition to music and other stuff and the sideman thing, I kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I'm still subscribed to KSI or whatever. But uh, it's just crazy in my world to be like, I would like, I found him so long ago. I like my friend, you know, Brian, I showed Brian. I was like, yo, this guy's fucking hilarious. And Brian was like, yeah, he is. And we were big fans, like KSI guys. Um, to then see that to the now to where he is now is crazy to me. Um, so I just wanted to get that in there. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely remember like I wasn't, uh, as into uh fifa during those days but i remember ksi being one of the the trending youtubers he would have like a occasionally you know back then on youtube if you just made a banger you would kind of make it on the front page uh, um, and he would occasionally pop up um to come back to our original question it seems KSI needs to he's sticking to celebrities boxing he hasn't really if he have if he would have done one like him versus uh Chael Sonnen or something you know what I mean him versus him versus I would love to see that actually or like what we see now with uh game bread boxing you know what I mean that Mm -hmm. whole uh, thing um I would say Anthony Pettis. Yes. (laughs) That would personally bring me more attention, whether that necessarily means it needs the, it like actually means something to us over here. I think like for the United States fans, it would, it would mean something to see, Oh, this guy defeated, uh, unfortunately an MMA or some, some form of professional boxer, because to us, we just see him defeating a bunch of European uh, YouTubers, which doesn't mean much. And he has his own. He he needs uh, that Tyrone Woodley win that like Jake got. Yeah. And he was looking for that Woodley fight. I think he like, he was, was. so I don't know if he beats Woodley though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Woodley. Um, Here's the thing though with Nate. Nate has proven he can sell pay per views. Like, he sold. I think his last fight, the one where he fought Tony, ended up selling somewhere around five hundred thousand. All the Connor fights broke a million. So Nate is a proven pay per view seller. KSI's pay per view numbers, I think, somewhere around the two hundred thousand. That being said, it is just against you know, other YouTubers and his his audience is younger. It's the internet crowd and whatever. But um, if we're talking about just like proven, it's Nate. But then it's like, okay, Jake's proven, and then you add KSI. I don't. Oh, I don't know. I don't know who sells more. On based on everything you told me and stuff, right now it's Nate. Do you think uh, 
there's a big discrepancy or big in between the if this happens the MMA fight and the boxing fight in viewership. What do you mean? Do you think if they do a one and one, one boxing match, one fighting uh, about that, let's say the the boxing match gets 500k, do you think the MMA fight would equal that? Do you think they would get, mm. let's say, it would dip to 350? Do you think it would go up because it's like, oh I no? I think if if Jake wins the boxing match, then I think the MMA fight sells more because I think more people would tune in because they would think Nate would have a it's, better chance. Yeah, but if Nate beats him in boxing, then they're like, "Oh, what's the point of an MMA fight?" I think so. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely yeah. see that. Um, in general, on average, I actually don't know. I think boxing on on average sells more than MMA, just because the international crowd is more boxing heavy. Um, you gotta imagine that back to back Nate Diaz fights would sell. I think a lot. It would, but then with Nate Diaz is such a not a loose cannon per se, but like if he loses to Jake, like would he do that MMA? I mean, unless it was like in the contract, but like uh, it depends if they sign that like two fight deal or if it's one by one. Yeah. If Nate Nate I think, loses, I, yeah, I think they I think they they'd get that two fight deal. But then Nate's that guy who's always down to fight. He's always down. That's He's true. Always down. Who, who? Okay. Final predictions for tomorrow's fight: Jake Paul or Tommy Fury? Who are you taking? Ooh. Um. Dude, there's just something about these Jake Paul fights that I don't like. About like, I don't want to use the word like uh, staged. But like it's it's live stage, like it's real life, like you know, like yeah, he beat Ben Askren, but he beat a Ben Askren who was coming off hip surgery, hadn't fought in a, a year or so. He beat Tyron Woodley, but Tyron Woodley hadn't knocked the guy out since 2016 and was 40 and had lost four in a row. It's not staged, but it's set up. That being said. I want to lean towards Tommy just because I feel like this, he went through a really rigorous two year fury camp. And I think that could, I don't know. I could, I think that could get it done against because he's got the size advantage. Like you said, the reach advantage, the he's, he's got the, a, a camp that is proven to create some of the best in the world. I know he's not his brother, but he that's the camp he uses and it's i i'm gonna give it to tommy jake has a lot to lose here Mm -hmm. i i will say i will feel worse for tommy if he loses i'll feel really bad for tommy because it's just like it feels like he was thrown into this because of his last name jake was like who's the easiest big name guy (laughs) oh tyson fury's little brother uh that being said I have Jake winning. I think I think Jake, how much he's committed himself to boxing, how good his camp is out in Puerto Rico, um, and just how good he is in general, based off the guys, how fast his hands are, how good his feet, his footwork is. 
and what I've seen from Tommy, I, I think I think Jake gets it done. He's good at winning rounds. I'll say that Jake with that Anderson Silva round, I'd be like, dang, I got to give that round to Jake. He just put he I got to give that again. I got to give that round to Jake because he was the one throwing the punches. He was he's the aggressive. one. Yeah, remain and Anderson. He's he's that counter punch guy, and he will get you. He all he needs is that. But it's Jake can counter punch too. That's how you got yeah. tired. I don't know, but. I don't know. I gotta. I'm gonna stay with Tommy. I think. Uh, I hope Tommy wins. I'm gonna be cheering for Tommy. <laughs> but if I had to put money down, it, it would be on Jake. That we will have to see what turns out. Yes, <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think this is a great point to wrap it up here. Uh, if you've been listening, we appreciate it. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, give a follow to the Instagram page. Uh, it is Switching Stances Pod. Uh, we're gonna have, post memes bios, tear jerkers, whatever you want, whatever you need. Uh, and then if you're listening on Spotify, really helps us out if you give us a five-star review. Um, but yeah, any last words from you, Roz? Um, I'm going to put this out there. Let us know if you are a, a fan, a listener, if you want to, uh, if this podcast uh, should have a verdict uh, league, verdict being the uh, it's an app on your phone you can download. No, uh, uh, no integration. It's not gambling or anything. It's strictly an MMA app where you pick your picks. You are with your friends. You can see how they picked, and then you get points if you get if you guess the correct winner. You get like a white belt, a purple belt. If you know you can, that's how you level up. Like I said, there's no money involved. No. You don't have to enter any sort of credit card or anything. It's just yep. strictly fun. Um, we are on there, but if you're a listener and you think it would be fun to have a Switching Stances podcast league, we will be more than happy to oblige. Yes, great point out. Yeah, let us know and we'll get that going. Um, but otherwise, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode and uh, we'll speak in the future. <laughs>